It's very important to remember if we make a good confession that we don't need to confess those sins again, although people may be troubled in their consciences and will want to reconfess sins that have been committed before. If that helps the penitent, great. They should then, and they may ask the confessor about that. But if the sins have been truly confessed, then there's no need to repeat them again. Although the therapeutic aspect of confession may be that a person will come to confession and may repeat the same sin from years ago over and over and over again, and may require patience on the part of the confessor, but it needs to be aired because there's something that needs to be addressed. And usually, it's something deeper. Usually, it's something deeper. may not be that particular act, but something behind it that needs to be addressed. And eventually, the confessor can help the person get to the place where they can acknowledge where that anxiety is coming from and then expose that memory to healing. Always a process of healing, and it can be a process indeed. We can go to confession as many times as we need in order to overcome whatever it is that we need to overcome. The sacrament provides a preventative and strengthening grace to avoid and resist future temptation, and therefore we should use it as regularly as we can. Let's talk about scrupulosity and the sacrament. The grace of the sacrament entails the forgiveness of sins. The sacrament is given to us and the grace of absolution given to cleanse us from all sin, even if we approach the sacrament with an imperfect contrition. For man's contrition, no matter how perfectly sought or formed, can never match the severity of our sin or the unconditional love and mercy of God. The sacrament exists for the very reason that we can't, by our own power and merit, approach unto God. We can't do it. We come to the mystery as sinners, spiritually weak, diseased, in need of God's wholesome remedy, his healing power granted to us by his grace. We should never despair of our own sinfulness. God is always more willing to forgive than we are to repent. Let me say that again. God is always more willing to forgive than we are to repent. And because that is the case, we will never really be able to come to confession with an absolutely perfect contrition. There really cannot be such a perfect thing in an imperfect person. For we are sinners inundated with concupiscence, our inclination to evil, God supplies in the grace of this sacrament power to strengthen our weakness, a healing balm to heal our infirmity, to cleanse our guilty stain, to perfect that which is lacking and insufficient in our souls. In fact, confession, like so many other things, sort of echoes the words of St. Paul in 2 Corinthians. My grace is sufficient for thee, and my strength is made perfect in weakness. We need to keep that in mind. In fact, that may be the motto of the entire Christian life. My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. That is what we bring to confession, our brokenness, our woundedness, 
and there God heals us. The sacrament is personal. It restores a personal relationship. It's not judicial or juridical in the sense that God only matches us or corrects us according to the level of our own repentance or contrition. It's, it's not a matching game, no. We come to the sacrament with a penitent heart and lively faith, and if we do that desiring forgiveness, we are forgiven, full stop. If our past confessions were somehow flawed, or if we feel that we did not manifest enough contrition, then subsequent confessions in and of themselves can cover that concern. For the very desire, the very remembrance of such perceived failings is the matter of the sacrament to be forgiven. And we are always forgiven through repentance. It is our hearts that our Lord sees in the penance that we offer. And if we offer our real sorrow, past or present, well-remembered or obscure, God's mercy and reconciling love forgives all. The absolution depends on the power and the promise of Christ, not on the perfection of our own confession. No sin-laden mortal can perfectly confess his or her sins completely or perfectly. We are only asked to confess to the best of our weak ability, for it is God who moves us to penitence in the first place. St. Augustine was right. Grace goes before, grace goes through it all, grace at the end. It is only because God led us to do it in the first place that we confess our sins. Grace prevenient and actual, going before us and leading us to confession. Grace giving us the consciousness of our sins. Grace moving us to repentance and faith. Grace empowering us to make a good confession. This is what we need, and God provides it. We must ultimately seek to abandon our sins. We must not only abandon them in the sense of not holding on to them in order to commit them again, but we must abandon our sins to God and allow God to forgive us. Many people really struggle with this. They struggle with the idea of accepting God's forgiveness. They cannot forgive themselves, and they don't seem to be able to accept God's forgiveness of them. Absolution can help in this matter. God wants to give his forgiveness. Sometimes we have to allow him to forgive us. We have to accept what he has done, for he has and will and yet forgive our sins and free us from the power of sin. Jesus is the beginning, the middle, and the end of penance. It is all about Christ. Christ himself, the priest, the intercessor, compensates for our weakness. He compensates for our failings, our flaws, our imperfections, yes, our imperfect contrition, and presents us to the Father in himself, free from sin and given a new life. All we can bring of our own merit or substance to confession is our own sin. Christ's righteousness and holiness is his gift to us in the sacrament of penance. Jesus is our vindication, our righteousness, our sanctification, 
our justification, Jesus is our absolution. He saves us by his free grace, and that is true with penance as it is with everything else. So let us trust utterly in him and not fear to relinquish ourselves into Christ's hands. We must indeed let go and let God. Christ will make up where we lack in the sacrament of confession. He always prevails for us in the whole sacramental life. Commend sins to the cross. Rest in the Lord Jesus, who died to make it possible for us to be liberated from these fears. True story about St. Jerome. It was Christmas. St. Jerome was in his cave in Bethlehem. He was a strange man. He was actually a very angry man, St. Jerome. Had nasty letters with St. Augustine. You would not have enjoyed a dinner party with St. Jerome. St. Jerome was in his cave, probably working on the Vulgate, translating the Bible into Latin. And all of a sudden, the Lord Jesus appears to him. And falling down before him, St. Jerome says, Lord, Lord, why are you here? <laughs> and our Lord says, it's Christmas. Give me something. Give me something. And St. Jerome contemplates this astonishing vision. And he says, Lord, I have worked my whole life. All of my abilities, my intellectual powers I've given to you. I'm translating your Bible. I've offered you my scholarship and my work and my prayer. What can I give you? And our Lord says, give to me your sins. Give to me your sins. You see, that's forgiveness. Jesus wants your sins. He wants you to give them up. Give them up in the way that you practice them. Give up your sin, but give them to him. Let him take them away. And when he does, then we are truly set free. So absolution is not conditional in that once the sacrament is given to us, the gift is objective and it is efficacious. Whenever we receive the sacrament of confession and absolution, there is an objective power that forgives. But it is conditional in the sense that the person who receives the gift must then cooperate with the grace that is given and use it for salvation. It goes without saying, but we'll say it again. We are saved by grace apart from the works of the law. But then being given this grace, we must work out our salvation with fear and trembling. For we are God's workmanship, made for good works by grace. If restitution should be made for a serious sin, it is the obligation of the penitent to see to it that the wrong should be addressed and reversed if possible in an appropriate Christian manner as a matter of charity and justice. Now that's not a matter of God withholding his forgiveness. It's a matter of the soul responding to God's grace, cooperating with that grace so freely given. If we are brought into communion with God this way, God will not impel or force us to receive his grace and live lives pleasing to him, 
but Christ will equip us with his grace to do what is right and obey the commandments. As Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. It is a matter not of saving ourselves, but of actualizing the new life of Christ in us by allowing our Lord to reproduce his life in us. God will not withhold his absolution from the penitent heart. He is always willing to forgive. This helps us overcome the problem of scrupulosity. The sacrament is not conditional in its power to forgive. And once it is given, the Lord simply wants us to use it. Finally, scrupulosity should be guarded against because it itself can become a sin or lead us into sin. We spoke earlier of despair, the belief that God does not love us, cannot forgive us, or that we are so evil or so far beyond the pale that God could not possibly care for us and forgive us as other men. Despair is the unwillingness to allow God to be God, to allow God to forgive us because we place a barrier of disbelief, unreceptivity before the Lord's merciful countenance. The sin of despair is a form of spiritual narcissism, a self-absorption, a self-obsession that sees one's own sins as more important or more powerful than God. In turn, the sin of despair leads to the sin of presumption, the other side of things, a libertinism which believes that because God can't or won't forgive our sins, well, we might as well sin boldly and more and more and keep on sinning. A self-permission to commit sin with the underlying assumption that one is already beyond the reach of God's forgiveness, so one might as well just keep on going down that path. That is a most serious uh, state indeed, a most wrong-headed state indeed. Mild scruples may sometimes, if only rarely, be help, helpful to us in keeping us in check. Mild scruples sometimes can motivate us to true repentance, amendment of life, but there must be a deliberate balance in the Christian life. An unhealthy preoccupation with one's own sinfulness or evil can be just as destructive as being a libertine. We need to have a happy and peaceful conscience and trust in the Lord. And despair or scrupulosity can cripple the soul, making it impossible freely to live the Christian life with that most wonderful virtue of all, joy. Joy. A joyless Christian is a monstrosity. A monstrosity. There should be a supernatural joy. We don't live in fear. We don't live in terror before God. It's the exact opposite. We have been redeemed by the God-man. Our lives should be lives of joy, a deep abiding joy, which is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't want us to go through life miserable. He wants us to have a happy and peaceful conscience, a peace with God. Scruples are not the same thing as real contrition because scruples don't dwell on God. Scruples dwell on the self and direct the soul to be anxious and to worry about itself and about a perfection achieved apart 
from God's grace. We are called to be penitent, not scrupulous. Scrupulosity tends to devolve into selfishness, dysfunctional egotism focused on the self, one's own needs and imperfections, rather than on the God who gives us his own attributes, virtues, and graces. The Catholic life is a wholesome life, a life of spiritual joy and peace, which are the fruits of the Holy Spirit. If scruples so disturb the conscience and paralyze the soul that they stifle the spiritual growth of the individual, they are clearly harmful and should be abandoned to the mercy and providence of God.